This is Naked M.I.P. With Masamela Matfumal. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, happy to have on the show with us once again, comrade of mine, our activism goes back many, many years to... No, you don't, you don't need to say how long. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll just say we go back a little bit. We won't we won't get be too specific. Uh, very proud of him. He is a professor of journalism at Columbia University. He's also a very prominent correspondent with the New Yorker. He has put together a book uh, as well, the Matter of Black Lives, which is an anthology of all of the writing in the New Yorker over the past year or two in and around Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, et cetera. Please pick that up. It's available everywhere, the matter of black lives. But invited him here today as we talk about critical race theory. A lot of us don't know what that is. And mm-hmm. some other folks have hijacked it. We ought to talk about that. And uh, the man who came up with the term critical race theory, CRT. So we're happy to have with us our dear brother, our comrade, Dr. Jelani Cobb. Hey, brother, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Always good to see you, man. And thanks for writing this piece on uh, Professor Bell. I, like you, had a brief opportunity to meet him. This is one person I think we all regret is not walking amongst us today. We could Mm -hmm. certainly use his wisdom right now, couldn't we? Yes, that's certainly true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So in writing about him, obviously, you, you looked into his life and a lot of things I didn't know. Um, mm-hmm. his role early on with the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, his role in the civil rights movement going back as early as uh, the 1950s. Talk to us a little bit about the experiences he had that made him come up with critical race theory in the first place. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to be said about Derrick Bell. He was a tremendous figure in terms of his intellectual influence, in terms of the impact of his activist work, the legacy of him as a professor and, and teaching, you know, just on multiple fronts, you know, he was a banner individual. And the arc of this and the way critical race theory came about was really a product of his intellectual restlessness, that and also his integrity. And just to kind of give you the backdrop, he was born in 1930 in the Hill District, uh, Pittsburgh. You know, of course, the you know famous community August Wilson had depicted you know so memorably in his plays. He joined the Air Force and after undergrad, you know, decided that he wanted to go uh, into law. Uh, he went to the University of Pittsburgh Law School and graduated in 1957 as the only black person in his class in his graduating class. And so he went from there to the Department of Justice, where he was one of the early attorneys for the Civil Rights Division. And when they discovered that he was a member of the NAACP, they said, well, this is a conflict of interest and you'll have to you know, quit the NAACP. But Bell had other thoughts. You know, He quit the Department of Justice and remained in the NAACP, which tells you something about his character. And it also becomes a theme in his career because on multiple occasions, he quit very prestigious, lucrative positions in order to maintain a principled stand. And so 
he became involved in the civil rights movement as an attorney. Thurgood Marshall personally hired him in the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund, and he hit the ground running, you know, filing desegregation suits in Mississippi in the early 1960s. He worked there from 1960 to 1966. And so he's involved in all of these things. And after he leaves the NAACP, he goes into academia. And as a professor, he begins to question the efficacy of what he had done as a civil rights lawyer. And so we have Brown versus the Board of Education. And, you know, we talk about Brown and, you know, its significance, but there's a host of smaller civil rights victories that NAACP and other advocacy groups win at the Supreme Court, opposing segregation, opposing various forms of inequality. There's just a whole body of litigation that Derrick Bell is an important part of. But he's looking around the landscape, even as early as the 1970s, he's looking around the landscape of Black America, there's still disproportionate poverty, mm-hmm. still disproportionate infant mortality, still under unemployment and underemployment, still all the disparities that we talk about. And so, and, and most tellingly, there's segregation. And so he raised the question that really no one wants to raise. If what we did was so momentous, why do we still have the same problem? And so critical race theory comes out of that space. Despite what you know, conservatives and reactionaries have said, lied, lied about you know, critical race theory being anti-white uh, or being some sort of... Um, black su- supremacist form of racism or any of these other kind of things they have uh, critical race theory doesn't have anything to do with any of those things it is critique of anti-discrimination law and anti-discrimination policy and a theory about how racial subordination is able to reassert itself after each wave of reform form and so Derek bell had the courage and integrity to ask those questions, even as it necessarily raised doubts on his own heroism. He had been praised for the work that he did, as he should have been. But it's one thing to to be able to say, I I did this work, I risked my life to Mississippi, we fought the suits, we won these lawsuits. And it's another thing to be able to say, but I'm not sure that they'll be the difference that people think they made. And Derek Bell was one of those people who could do that. More MIP after this message. Yeah, and that's an important question to raise because it's absolutely true. We just keep going in this cycle. We take right. one step forward, go take 10 steps backward. One of your people you interviewed in, in the article referred to what the right wing is doing with the terminology of CRT is, is definitional theft. Right. Uh, but then that's what they do. I mean, right. they literally took over and cornered the market on literally Christianity with evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Now, most a lot of people don't want anything to do with Christianity because it's, it has such a, a right, right-wing imprimatur on it. What's also funny is they talk about critical race theory, Jelani, as if it's going to be taught to children in schools. This was right. on uh, the, the law school <laughs> level, was it not? As an elective, right. right. Not even all law students were <laughs> being taught critical race theory. These are elective courses. And so, yeah, that's, that's one part of it. The other part of it is 
just the complete absence of conscience because you know i watched christopher rufo the way i'll tell you the origins of this piece i watched christopher rufo who is uh the right wing figure who has been at the corner and at the kind of heart of the defamation of critical race theory right uh, i saw him on television and he just was lying about what it was and i made a connection in my mind it's one thing to lie about an idea. It's dishonorable and it's mm -hmm. disrespectful and it should be discrediting. But it was another thing to lie about, implicitly lie about Derrick Bell's legacy. Mm -hmm. And Derrick Bell was one of the people who was most driven by integrity that I've, that I've ever met in my life. Um, yeah. And I didn't get well. Uh, but, you know, he quit the Department of Justice uh, out of a sense of integrity. He quit... Harvard University. Yes, he did. When they refused to hire and tenure a black woman professor, yes, uh, which they had never done before. And he quit the University of Oregon where he was dean because they had a hiring committee, a search committee that uh, offered a job to two white men, the first and second choices. And when they turned the job down, uh, they refused to offer it to an Asian American woman. And Derek Bell quit as a result of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he put mouth was time and time again and i felt like i just can't let this person's name be disrespected in this way yeah more mip after this message no and and you're absolutely right it can be disrespected in that way but as i look at this i can't help but think that as chris's strategy was as fox news strategy was we go back to 2008 it's like let's find a black intellectual mm -hmm. and let's weaponize mm -hmm. whatever his message is. They did it to James Cone. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people had not heard of James Cone in amongst the masses. Those of us in mm -hmm. academia and in the mm -hmm. theological academia <laughs> knew who James Cone was. Uh, right. They put James Cone back on the map. They just totally weaponized him. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, to hurt Barack Obama. And it's clear now the strategy is, you know, we, we talk about reparations, and I say to people, I don't think they even focus on that. They, they, they have made a decision. Critical race theory is their bag for 2022 and 2024. Right. That's right. their bag. Now, we, we might come up with reparations and thousands other things, but they have put, put all their money and investment into critical race theory and promoting this falsehood that they're going to teach uh, white kids in elementary school to hate themselves. I mean, right. but, I mean but it's, it's just... It's it's a validation Wait, of the most, the most cynical presumptions about, about the public, that people can be misled, that they can be manipulated by their fears. You go for, and the thing about saying, there's a reason that they say, you, you know, we're going to teach uh, critical race theory to your children, because people are not rational when it comes right. to their children. Right. Uh, you know, I remember one time I was walking with my daughter when she was about four or five, and this guy had a Rottweiler. He's walking down the street. This is New York. For whatever reason, this Rottweiler decides to bark at my daughter. And my daughter is terrified. She jumps. She starts crying or whatever. And I wanted to rip this dog apart with my bare hands, you know, which is a completely irrational thing. You're thinking about the instinct to protect your children. And so they know if they go after the thing of saying, we are protecting your children from self-hate which is a cruel inversion of what black people have actually been trying to do with Brown versus Board education, adults trying to protect our children 
from having a sense of hatred directed at themselves. But they've said now that they're worried about white children being afflicted with the virus of self-hate and they have to, to fight against this. And they know that people will, it'll straight past uh, the reasoning circuits in your brain, right straight past the cerebral parts and, and into right. where people are just kind of critical race theory, terrible, have to fight against it. Your article helps. People should read it, be educated, folks, share it. Folks, we share a whole lot of stuff with our loved ones. We don't always share the right stuff. You need to share this. We're going to make this required reading, homework assignment for everybody. Share it so people understand what CRT really is. A lot of us don't even understand it. So you should read it and know that and know the story of Derrick Bell. But beyond that, Jelani, lastly, what can we do? What, what other defenses can we build to prevent you know, the definitional theft, the weaponization of things that just aren't true, but are actually things that are good that would help and change society. Yeah, I mean, I think that, honestly, what you're doing right now is part of it, you know, that we have to, and we've had these conversations going back, you know, to our undergrad years, that we have to create a parallel infrastructure uh, right. so that when they do one thing, we can respond, you know, that right. we can change the terms of the conversation, that, you know, that's why I write. Uh, that's why you broadcast. That's why, you know, all of us that are doing the work we're doing. That's why I teach, you know, and trying to, we need more people doing those things. And we need to have more of an infrastructure to be able to say, no, you're lying about this person. Or that's not what this is. And there's some people who will never, you know, believe that, you know, but right. there are some people out there who are persuadable and people who are open-minded and rational, reasonable. And I think our struggle is to make that, that we're uh, in that conversation in a way that works for us. Yeah, uh, folks, the term of the day is disinformation. And what's happening in critical race theory right. is a great deal of that that is going on. Jelani Cobb is uh, helping us push back against that. Please check out his piece in the New Yorker magazine, newyorker.com. Brother, always a pleasure to have you on Make It Plain, all right? Thank you. Take what's what's the next piece you work on? Thank you, brother. What's the next piece you're working on? Oh, I can't talk about it just yet, but I oh, got okay. <laughs> um, really important that's going to be coming out uh, in the next month or so. Yeah. Jelani's classroom is broader than just the four walls at Columbia. Obviously, when he writes, it's to educate all of us. So thank you, brother. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Make it plain.